Do you have uh, trouble sleeping? If you do, you're not the only one. Did a little research on this. Found out that between 30 and 40% of North Americans are considered sleep deprived. Between 30 and 40%. That makes us the number three most sleep deprived region in the world. Between 30 and 40%. One third of Canadian men sleep no more than four to six hours a night. Think on that. One third of Canadian men, no more than four to six hours. If I slept four to six hours, you'd fire me within a month. It's crazy. Like, I lose my will to live if I get overtired. Like, I literally, I just go dark and bleak and everything is horrible. If I'm ever seeming in my time with you, like, really low, first question is, are you sleeping? I'm zealous about my sleep. I get it from my mother who's here. My mom and dad are here today. Love you guys. Nice to see you. My mom always made sure that I got my rest. My wife didn't believe for years that I needed eight hours of sleep. She's like, nah, you're just soft. She comes from an Italian family, and if you know Italians, they don't like to sleep, but they do like to garden. (laughs) 57% of Canadian women are too tired to exercise. The problem with this is that exercise actually helps you sleep. But when 57%, 57% of Canadian women are too tired... That might be you. Maybe Don't show me your hand, right? But maybe that's you. You're too tired to exercise. I relate. If I don't go first thing in the morning, I have to go right at the end of the day. And when I go right at the end of the day, it's like an act of will to be like, I got to do this because I'm tired. 57% of Canadian women too tired to exercise. Do you have those um, 3 a.m. anxious wake-ups? Do you ever have those? It's terrible, right? You wake up at 3 in the morning, your heart's racing. You start thinking, and sometimes you can't go back to sleep. I went for years during a kind of stressful period in my career where I would wake up at 3 in the morning and routinely not be able to go back to sleep. And then you start freaking out. You know that feeling you get frantic, like, I need to sleep. I'm going to be fried tomorrow. It doesn't help. They call 3 a.m. the witching hour. You're not the only one who has a hard time sleeping. Did you know that adults are required medically to have between 7 and 8 hours of sleep per night? Adults. Kids and teenagers are required to have between 8 and 10. So if we've been reading your mail here talking about sleeplessness and you want to fix your problem, there are some things you can do. You didn't know you were getting like sleep clinic at church this morning. Don't worry, it turns the corner in a minute. One, you can get a routine. So many of us live lives that are kind of scattered and harried or running around, kind of like chasing a tail for a dog, running, 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 running. Introduce some routine into your life, especially as you come to the tail end of the day. If you have an established rhythm as you work your way towards bedtime, that'll help. Scientists suggest having an earlier dinner. Right? Makes sense. Your body needs to have time to metabolize the dinner so that when the sugars are released into your bloodstream, it doesn't wake you up. Have an earlier dinner. This is tough. You may need to repent. No late night screens. Period. How many of you go to sleep with your phone by your bedside? Some North Americans actually sleep with their phone under their pillow. There's images online. Remember the first time I heard about this, it was Ryan Seacrest in L.A. He was talking in an interview about how he sleeps with his phone. No wonder he always looks so fried. No late-night screens. That means television, laptops. So if you're in the habit of, you know, you're sitting up in bed watching Netflix before you go to sleep, might be messing with your sleep. And everyone's favorite, daily exercise. They literally say you need to exercise so that you fatigue yourself. If you think about the way North Americans used to live, most of us come from farming stock, right? Farmers settled this country. If you ever spend a day on a farm, you'll sleep good that night. 
Right, it's fall right now, you're raking your leaves, all the leaves dropped today because of the hard frost last night. Did you go out in your driveway and heard it's like rain falling, all the leaves falling, it's beautiful. Reminds me that God is the architect of the universe, designed the trees so that the first hard frost, he knows that Guelph is picking up your leaves between the 19th and the 30th of November. <laughs> you got to come to the end of your day tired. Rake your leaves. Do some labor. Daily exercise. You'll sleep better. And uh, you could um, take a nap with Jesus. That would definitely help your sleeplessness problem. Let me uh, show you what I mean out of Isaiah 50. This is great. You're going to love it. I'm smiling all day today. You're welcome, Grandmama. Thus says the Lord, where is your mother's certificate of divorce with which I sent her away? Or which of my creditors is it to whom I have sold you? Behold, for your iniquities you were sold. You won't like this point in a moment, but it's okay. And for your transgressions your mother was sent away. Why, when I came, was there no man? Why, when I called, was there no one to answer? Is my hand shortened that it cannot redeem? Or have I no power to deliver? Behold, by my rebuke, I dry up the sea. I make the rivers a desert. Their fish stink for lack of water and die of thirst. I clothe the heavens with blackness and make sackcloth their covering. The Lord God has given me the tongue of those who are taught, that I may know how to sustain with a word him who is weary. Morning by morning he awakens. He awakens my ear to hear as those who are taught. The Lord God has opened my ear, and I was not rebellious. I turned not backward. I gave my back to the smiters and my cheeks to those who pull out the beard. I hid not my face from shame and spitting. But the Lord God helps me, therefore I have not been disgraced. Therefore I have set my face like flint, and I know that I shall not be put to shame. He who vindicates me is near. <laughs> who will contend with me? Let us stand up together. Who is my adversary? Let him come near to me. Behold, the Lord God helps me. Who will declare me guilty? Behold, all of them will wear out like a garment. The moth will eat them up. Who among you fears the Lord and obeys the voice of his servant? Let him who walks in darkness and has no light, let her who walks in darkness and has no light, trust in the name of the Lord and rely on her God. Behold, all you who kindle a fire, who equip yourselves with burning torches, walk by the light of your fire and by the torches that you've kindled. This you will have from my hand. You shall lie down in torment. So awesome. I'm coming to the text these days, and I just feel like a kid in a candy store. God is so good. The Bible's so amazing. Sleeplessness is not the problem. Suffering is. You feel me? Sleeplessness is not the problem. Suffering is the problem. Life is hard, so what do we do? We worry about it. Can I get a witness? You ever worry? Yes, you do. Life is hard, so we worry about it. Life is hard, so we distract ourselves from it. This is endemic. This is systemic in our culture. How many people do you know, maybe you're one of them, who distract themselves from the pain of life? Know anybody? Anybody come to mind? And let's be careful to say, I am not saying this with any, not even a trace of condemnation in my heart, because that's me. I have distracted myself from the pain of life time and time and time again. If I look back over the last 20 years, I can think of a dozen times without even trying. So I am not saying that if you know people who distract themselves from the pain of life, or if that's you, that you're a bad person because of it. I'm just pointing out that everybody does it. Because life is hard. Pain is the problem. Why is there pain in the world? Well, because of sin. Now, I am giving you here the Christian perspective. So if you're our guest this morning and you are not yet operating from a Christian perspective, kudos to you for coming to church. That's impressive, 
right? Like, I have never gone to a gathering of non-believers to hang out for an hour and a half, so you are a better person than me. I totally salute you, so feel comfortable, feel at home. I'm glad you're here, and don't feel any pressure to agree with anything I say, right? Totally good. But I'm not going to speak from your perspective. I'm going to speak from mine. So at best, engage with it, and it might, you know, adjust your perspective. You might see something from a different way than you've seen it before. So I'll tell you why there's pain in the world because of sin. From the Christian perspective, we believe that God exists. He made everything that is. Not only did he make everything that is, but he made everything good. Everything's good. Trees are good. Leaves are good. Spring is good. Fall is good. Winter's good. Grass is good. Rivers are good. Animals are good. Like antelope are good. Possums are good, even though Nikki hates them. Scary looking creatures. Kind of half crazy. I was thinking about possums. If they were bigger, they would eat me. You know what I mean? It's rather frightening. Like, if they were six feet, I'd be in trouble. I'd be running for the hills, right? Possums are good. Bats are good. Butterflies are good. Horses are good. Snakes are good, right? Apples are good. Apple pie is even better. <laughs> right? God made everything that is. He made everything good, okay? He made everything good. Then our stupid parents, Adam and Eve, first man, first woman, what do they do? They disobey the Lord. He gives them one command. He's like, enjoy the garden. I made you both naked so your life will be fun. Enjoy it. It's awesome. It's warm. You don't need no clothes. Chase each other around a little bit. Fill the earth and subdue it. Be fruitful and multiply. You're like, God is my best friend. Yes, he is. All that good stuff is his idea. Sex, babies, family, fun, pleasure. All this is God's idea. It's all good. There's one tree in the middle of the garden, the really beautiful one. Leave it alone. Don't even touch it. If you do, you're going to die. Snake shows up. If you're here for invocation, you heard me read from Genesis 3. It's like, yeah, I'm really going to die. God just knows that when you eat of the tree, your eyes will be open and you'll be like him, knowing good from evil. Go ahead. Don't you want to be like God? Isn't that still what the darkness says to the people of earth every day of their lives? Don't you want to be like God? Come on. Don't you want to be in charge? Come on. Don't you want to call the shots? Sheila, you're here too. Hi, honey. I'll celebrate that you're in church. I'll preach good for you too. You can go ahead. Have some fruit. It looks good. And so they disobey the one clear command that the Lord gave, and they eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Boom, in that moment. Sin enters the human story. And they fall and they're cursed and God eventually banishes them from the Garden of Eden. Curse is terrible. Says the woman in pain. Shall you bring forth children? You want to rule your husband, but he will rule over you. Says to Adam, everything you do is going to fail. By the sweat of your brow shall you eat bread, you'll till the earth, and you'll hope for wheat, but it'll give you thorns and thistles because you've transgressed against me. And worst of all, death comes into the human story. Imagine these creatures made by God himself to be his friends forever. All of a sudden now, the clock starts. Tick, tock, tick, tock. And that clock that's in your head, when am I going to die? 47, 57, 67, 77, 87, 97, when am I going to die? Tick, Talk, tick, talk. I better drink some Jack Daniels because I cannot stand listening to that tick, talk, tick, talk. I better make some more money because I can't stand listening to that tick, talk, tick, talk, tick, talk. Every human being revolts against the idea of death because they know in their very cellular structure that they were made to live forever and they can't stand the thought of dying. So we go to any lengths possible to inoculate ourselves to the pain, to put ourselves in a position of power and authority. 
And so we're out there sinning against each other day in and day out, doing whatever seems right to us because sin now rules in the heart of humankind. Everything fell. Everything was cursed. Everything is broken. Why is there cancer? Because something in the human genome is broken. Why is there poverty and sickness? Because something in the human character is now broken. Why do tsunamis wipe out hundreds of thousands? Because something in the fabric of the way in which the world itself holds together is broken. So we can't sleep. I'm here to give you a little help today. Look at verse 1. Thus says the Lord, Where is your mother's certificate of divorce with which I sent her away? Which of my creditors is it to whom I have sold you? Behold, for your iniquities you're sold, and for your transgressions your mother was sent away. First bit of good news in verse 1, relief is coming. Salvation is on its way. When Isaiah originally prophesied these words, he was prophesying these words to the eventual Israelite captives in the land of Babylon who would have received these words. Obviously, they were written down because they exist to us 2,500 years later. So these words would have come to them in Babylon and they would have heard that relief is coming. Salvation is on its way. And they would have thought, oh, thank God. For us, the same is true. Isaiah 50 is one of the messianic chapters in Isaiah. There's four of them that are resolutely messianic. And so to us as Christians, as we read this, we see Jesus being promised. We see the Savior being promised. We hear that our relief is on its way. The original audience would have still been in captivity reading these words. And they would have been told here that the dark situation in which they find themselves is only temporary. Relief is on its way. That should help you sleep better. Right? Relief is on its way. That should help you sleep better. Also, the question of why has been answered. Look at the second half of verse 1. Behold, for your iniquities you were sold. And for your transgressions, your mother was sent away. Why is there pain in the world? Why is there suffering in the world? Why do these bad things keep on happening to me? It's our fault. Okay, it's our fault. We're out there in the world sinning against one another all day, every day. You can look at this two ways. Many people look at the dark world and they say, the world is so dark, where is God? Ever heard someone make this objection? Common objection. If God existed, he wouldn't let all this bad stuff happen. Okay? One way to look at it. I get it. I look at it a completely opposite way. I look at the darkness in the human heart, and I am astonished that any of us even exist. I'm astonished that the world did not wipe itself out with a mass genocide a thousand years ago. I'm amazed that the corporations that run the world haven't completely enslaved all of us already. God knows Amazon has enough money. I am shocked that traffic kind of rolls. Yes, people are angry. I was given the finger three times this week. I was like, whoa, it's crazy. One time, I was driving into my neighborhood, and the guy pulled over to the right, no signal, so I thought he was stopping. So I just went out around him, and then he turned left, no signal. I was like, whoa, I slammed on my brakes, shaking his fist at me, giving me the finger. I was like, oh, man. It wasn't even my fault. I just thought he was stopping, so I was going to go around him. Well, my bad. I'm amazed that more people don't kill each other in road rage accidents. I'm amazed that any marriages stick together. I'm amazed that not all our kids are drug addicts and criminals. I'm amazed. The only reason I think that our world continues to hold together is because of the mercy of God that's at work commonly in all the people of the world. 
Your suffering is a consequence of sin. Your sin and the sin of other people. Our sinfulness is ruining the world. Again, I'm speaking from a Christian perspective. So this is like a good news, bad news kind of thing. Right? So the good news is this. This is really good news. You're not a victim. You ever feel like a victim? You're not a victim. It's your fault. That's the bad news. <laughs> Bible's great, right? It's always like, sucker punch, give you a little rub on the back, and then another punch. <laughs> I was thinking Nacho Libre, kick to the face, punch to the face. Right? You're not a victim, which is good. It's, yeah, I'm not a victim, but you're part of the problem. No, I'm not. Yes, you are. No, I'm not. Yes, you are. No, I'm not. Yes, you are. Verse 2 and 3 proves it. Why, when I came, this is God speaking, was there no man? Why, when I called, was there no one to answer? Is my hand shortened that it cannot redeem? Or have I no power to deliver? Behold, by my rebuke I dry up the sea, I make the rivers a desert, their fish stink from lack of water and die of thirst. I clothe the heavens with blackness and make sackcloth their covering. Where are you? Like our first parents, left to our own devices, we are always hiding from God. This is why verse 2 says what it says. Why, when I came, was there no man? Why, when I called, was there no one to answer? And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called out to the man and said to him, Where are you? And Adam said, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. Genesis 3, verses 8 through 10. I said this off the top, but maybe you missed it. When you read this in the Hebrew, the way the verse is rendered, it sounds like God was singing in the garden in the evening. Picture that image, if you will, of God himself coming for a stroll in the Garden of Eden in the cool of the day, and the voice of the Lord God himself, the voice that framed the actual universe, lifting itself up in song. And Adam and Eve would have been in the habit, of course, of running to find that voice wherever it was. And maybe the Lord God on that particular evening was sitting down by the side of the river of life and serenading them with a song about the moment when he framed Jupiter and Saturn and set them in their orbit. I've said this before. This is what strikes the greatest sense of loss in my heart when I think about my sinfulness. What Adam and Eve lost in the garden was their friendship with God. They lost that moment where they would run to his side and sit down by the river and listen to him sing. For after they have sinned, God shows up and does what he has been doing and he sings in the garden in the cool of the day. Instead of running to him, they run from him and they hide themselves, forcing God to call out, where are you? Where are you? How you deal with God's unending call of where are you is how your life will be defined. Okay, at the end of days, that's how your life will be defined. How you responded to that unending call of God to you. Where are you? Where are you? But, Todd, my life is so messed up, there's no way I can come out of hiding. Okay? I feel you. This is why he sends his Savior to you. Man, the Bible's so good. Look at verses 4 through 8. The Lord God has given me. Now it's the Messiah speaking. Oh, the tongue of those who are taught, that I may know how to sustain with the word 
Him who is weary, she who is weary. Morning by morning he awakens. He awakens my ear to hear as those who are taught. The Lord God has opened my ear and I was not rebellious. I turned not backward. I gave my back to the smiter and my cheeks to those who plucketh out the beard. I hid not my face from shame and spitting, but the Lord God helps me. Therefore, I have not been disgraced. Therefore, I have set my face like flint, and I know that I shall not be put to shame. He who vindicates me is near. Hear this. Hear the triumph in this. Who will contend with me? Let us stand up together. Who is my adversary? Let him come near to me. God knows that you may be so ashamed that you cannot come out of hiding, so he sends his Savior to you. Let me tell you what this Yeshua does. Verse 4a, he sustains with the word those who are weary. So stay close to him, listen to him, and receive it by faith when he speaks. Do I need to say it again or did you hear it the first time? He sustains with a word those who are weary. So stay close, listen, and then receive it by faith when he speaks. Become a yes and amen kind of person. For the term yes man, yes woman... Pejorative term, we think it's a bad thing, not when it comes to listening to Jesus. It ain't become a yes and amen kind of person. Yes, that's for me. Amen, it's going to happen. Yes, that's for me. Amen, it's going to happen. Become a yes and amen person this week. It'll help you sleep. Amen, it's going to happen. What's going to happen? Well, among other things, he's going to wake you up and help you not be bitter. Consider verses 4b through 5a. He awakens my ear to hear as those who are taught. The Lord God has opened my ear and I was not bittered. Here in our English, it's I was not turned backwards. I turned not backwards in the Hebrew. I was not bittered. Hear it again. He awakens my ear to hear as those who are taught. Meaning he gives you wisdom. The Lord God has opened my ear and I was not bittered. Literally in the Hebrew, velomariti. Mariti became bittered. Mar is the Hebrew root for the word bitter. Velo mariti, and I did not become bitter. Our culture will tell you that rebellion leads to freedom. As a Christian preacher here today, I'm here to tell you that rebellion does not lead to freedom. Rebellion leads to bitterness. Receive it. Rebellion leads to bitterness. The only proof of this you'll need is to compare old worldly people with old Jesus people. Am I right? Y'all know it's true. Y'all know it's true. It's so true, it's a caricature in popular culture. The grumpy old man sitting on his porch telling the kids to get off his lawn. You know what the grumpy Christian man does? He says, come play on my lawn, kids. Remind me of what it's like to be at play in the fields of the Lord. Come crawl on my old back. Let us play in God's son. Let us enjoy him together. How do I know? Because I had old grandparents. I had old grandparents, old godly grandparents, and I can testify that they are all the proof I ever needed that the way of Jesus is the better way. Because all of you will have encountered bitter old people, and all of you will have seen how bitterness leads to bitterness leads to bitterness, that you do not get better from 40 to 80 if you are walking apart from Jesus, but you have seen those saints who walk with God, who go from glory to glory, from whose eyes shines the hope of the gospel of Jesus Christ, even though their eyes are somewhat tortured by the cataracts of old age. There is no law of diminishing returns in the kingdom of God. 
Jesus makes life sweet. Jesus makes life sweet. And he keeps you moving forward, not backward. Why? Because he has paid the ultimate price. Verses 6 through 8. I gave my back to the smiters and my cheeks to those who plucketh out the hair. I hid not my face from shame and spitting. The Lord God helps me, therefore I have not been disgraced. Therefore I have set my face like flint, and I know that I shall not be put to shame. He who vindicates me is near. Who will contend with me? Let us stand up together. Who is my adversary? Let him come near to me. My favorite, favorite section in Handel's Messiah. Midway through, he was despised. You know how the strings kick in? I was going to play it for you, but I was like, oh, so good. He gave his back to the smiters, right in that part, and his cheeks to them that plucketh out the hair. You know this part? And his cheeks to them, you know this part? That plucketh out the hair. He hid not his face from shame and spitting. He hid not his face from shame and spitting. Why? Oh, oh, oh. Because he who vindicates me is near. Who will contend with me? Let us stand up together. Who is my adversary? Jesus Christ went to the cross to suffer and die in your place for your sin and to triumph over the power of Satan's sin, death and hell in his body once and for all. He was despised, rejected, rejected of men, a man of sorrows. And acquainted with grief. The story goes that once he died, this Jesus did not stay dead, but he arose again the third day in victory. I may have to take you to Hannah's Messiah one of these years. And his victory can be your victory if you would but accept him today. Life is hard, but the Lord God helps me. Therefore, I have not been disgraced. Therefore, I have set my face like flint, and I know that I shall not be put to shame. You start believing that, start living like that, and you can appropriate those promises because you are in Christ. You do those things, you'll sleep just fine. Why? Verse 8, because he who vindicates me is near. Who will contend with me? Let us stand up together. Where is my adversary? You know what it says in the Hebrew? Let us stand up together. Let us stand side by side. Come on now. You're welcome. Aren't you glad you came to church? Let us stand side by side. If you picture yourself daily standing side by side with Jesus, he's probably got his arm around you because he's nice. It's probably his right arm, which is very strong. And nobody's going to come near you, man. I was talking to my little daughter Zoe yesterday about demons. She has a friend who's kind of talking about this sort of stuff. She's like, Daddy, what what about demons? I was like, 
I told her what my daddy told me. I said, baby, you got the Holy Spirit of Jesus living in you, man. The devil's not coming anywhere near you. There are billions of people who don't love the Lord, who are fair game. He's going to spend his time chasing them for greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. The second the power of darkness comes in your house, they see that this house has six people in whom the lion of the tribe of Judah is neither slumbering nor sleeping. They're running away, baby. Don't you worry. Don't you fret. Don't you fear. Jesus is at your side. Celebrate? <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> you picture that? You believe that? You're going to be just fine. You're going to be just fine. Also, you get to take some naps. Worship team, I'm done. You get to take some naps. Just wait for it. This is so good. This is craziness. The whole sermon comes from this. Verse 9 Behold, the Lord God helps me. Who will declare me guilty? Behold, all of them will wear out like a garment, the moth will eat them up. Who among you fears the Lord and obeys the voice of his servant? Let her who walks in darkness and has no light trust in the name of the Lord and rely on her God. Ooh. <laughs> God has helped you in Jesus. No one can declare you guilty. All those who try are nothing but old socks. Old socks, man. Old socks. I won't be able to preach. I wanted to put that shoe back on, so I'll finish the sermon barefoot. For those of you podcasting this sermon, Todd just removed his socks and his shoes. That's okay. He's preaching the gospel of Christ, which makes his pulpit holy ground. Anyone who tries to declare you guilty is nothing but old socks. Treat them like it. Jay-Z wasn't all wrong. Brush that dirt off your shoulders. Don't let no dirty socks condemn you. <laughs> Even if you're walking through a dark time right now, trust in the name of the Lord and, here it is, lean on your God. You know what this is in the Hebrew? It's mind-blowing. Dad will know, and Mom, as soon as I say it, Vayish'an be'elohav. Vayish'an be'elohav. And he will lean on the Lord his God. Vayish'an to lead, except Vaishan comes, comes from the Hebrew root, Lishon, which means to sleep. <laughs> Whoa, I almost passed out. I gotta sit down. Whoa. <laughs> it means you get to lean your head on Jesus' shoulder and take a nap. Tom Ward, take a nap, man. Take a nap. Hallelujah. Take a nap. <laughs> you have to lean your head on Jesus' shoulder and take a nap. You want to fix your sleepiness problem? Remember, relief is coming. You're not a victim. You're part of the problem, so stop hiding from God. Receive his salvation. Become a yes and amen kind of person. Walk away from bitterness into sweetness because, yes, life is hard, but Jesus paid the price to set all things right. And he is standing right beside you, so lean your head on his shoulder and take a nap. Sweet dreams, baby. Sweet dreams. <laughs>